This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Rachel on from Carex Consulting Group. We're going to be talking about how to network your way into a new role. It's a great topic, and uh, uh, recruiters love this topic, so this is going to be fantastic. Rachel, would you do us a, a favor and introduce yourself and Carex Consulting Group to the audience? Yeah, hi, I'm Rachel Neal. I've been an entrepreneur most of my most of my career, and I'm a huge fan of networking. I am the CEO and founder of Carex. I have experience raising capital and have worked in the professional services space for over ten years now. Fantastic, and uh, and so Carex, what's what's the offering that uh, that y'all do? Yeah, so Carex um, was initially started to really try to disrupt some of the way the staffing industry works. Mm-hmm. So we do staffing in the uh, tech, IT, uh, project management, and innovation spaces. And we work with a lot of venture backed startups all the way through Fortune 5 companies that are looking for contingent direct hire placement or subscription. Right. And the unique part is that nobody works on subscri- or nobody works on commission at at Carex. It's really a focus on finding the right person for the right role. Oh, that's nice. That is good. That is unique. Um, is it, it? Do you have kind of a slight RPO kind of model, or is it is it is it more kind of a traditional staffing model? We do traditional, um, and we're right. also really transparent. So we share our bill rates, and we always do a one third, two third split. Oh, that's so cool. our consultants know exactly what they're getting paid. The um, partners we're working with know how much their consultants are are making, and it's that way. It's transparent for all parties involved. That's smart. And then on the RPO type subscription side, we have a special offering that's um, pretty lucrative. I think for the startups that are in a high growth mode, right. they may not have an established HR right. recruiting wing and they can for a fixed price utilize our network and our resources that's uh, it's smart to to just you know if it's not going to be core it can't be core you know in your first hundred employees or whatever it's like let someone that does it for a living do it and just get your get the people uh on site or whatever get get the people doing the work that's a wonderful model um do y'all do y'all do you ever run into or you know through your years have you run into the how you flip someone that you know, from a staffing perspective, they fall in love with, you know, client falls in love with them and they want them to then kind of go convert to full-time or convert to their company. Do do you, uh, do y'all have a model where that can happen and it's easy or, or what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. So it's always hard. And I think it depends on, it depends on what kind of model we're in. If we're in the subscription model, it's a little bit more difficult because, Um, they're an, 
they're an employee of ours, if it's a consulting model, we can easily structure a buyout. And what we do is at the end of a year of consulting, the our partners are free to hire their uh, that resource without a fee. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's really, really good. That's good for everybody. Again, it's try before you buy. If everything works out and you really like the person, you want them to be on full board, great. Uh, but I can also see on the RPO side, that would be, uh, you know, it's just something to be negotiated and worked out. So that's, that's everything the conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's okay. So let's, let's jump into uh, how to network your way into a new role. So let's start with the, the basics. What have you, what have you seen? What's been your experience? Yeah, so I'm a huge, huge fan of, of networking, and it's how I've kind of built my my career. And my first, um, I always like to tell this story, when I first got into the, the startup and the professional services space, I ended up with the role that I had because I took a kind of odd networking opportunity. There happened to be, my son played lacrosse. One of the parents at his lacrosse game happened to run a CIO, COO forum event. And on the day of the the event, there were extra seats and some extra, um, also some extra tasks that needed to be done. And that mom reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to come? I'll give you a seat for free. And um, and you can kind of help me at the front. And I said, sure. And I went and I ended up meeting the CEO of a company that was just kind of starting to take off. And after speaking with um, that founder, ended up doubling my salary and getting an equity stake and coming onto a company that grew to be one of the largest Epic consulting firms in the world. And had I not taken that opportunity that was kind of uncomfortable to and didn't promise anything um, reward-wise, I wouldn't have met those people. And I wouldn't have been able to parlay that into, into an opportunity. And so I use that as an example because I think I, a lot of people look at networking as transactional. I'm sure you see that, right? I need something... I need something now. And so I'm going to go try and network. But really networking starts way, way be- before that. Um, it's kind of a lifestyle. It's funny. I used to tell people that were reluctant to to network 20 years ago. Um, for whatever reason, there was reluctance. I'd say, listen, you just got to be one person. Like, don't make it a, you know, don't, I mean, there's some folks want to work the room. That's cool. Do that. Do you. Uh, some introverts and do something different. They go to a corner and kind of let people come to them. Extroverts do something different. That's not, everything's fine, but really you just got to be one person. And you know, I think that's how I converted some of my friends back then that didn't want to kind of get out and go to a place to, you know, to, to network. And it's like, you, you know, don't make it, you don't have to collect a bunch of business cards. Just have a good conversation <laughs> you know, meet some, somebody that you really like and then, you know, take it from there. Yeah. It's a, it's about that being authentic. And I think Mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of people, what I see as a mistake is like somebody will invite them to coffee or they'll have an opportunity to go somewhere and they'll immediately think of like, well, how am I going to benefit from this? And if they don't see an immediate benefit, then they say, I'm not going to do it. And some of my best opportunities have come from the things where I go into it, not knowing the person or not knowing how 
I'm going to benefit or just being able to donate my time or my expertise, it always comes back tenfold. So one of the things that's, that's interesting about that is, is uh, looking at the things as kind of a tit for tat. I do this and I get this and uh, moving people's mentality over to more of a karma relationship, you know, where, Hey, listen, you're going to go and something then will happen. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's not, there's not a, there's not a one for one. It's not dot to dot. It's not, you know, you put a coin in the, in the vending machine and something comes out. It's not like that. And nor will it ever be like that. And nor should you approach it like that. Um, when you, when we, when we talk about new roles, this is actually, you know, you know, there's, there's folks out there, there's both active candidates, and passive candidates. I think we're all technically uh, passive candidates, but anyhow, um, there's folks that are out there and they're trying to figure out how to kind of get to their next best or next greatest experience. What, what general, what advice do you kind of give those folks? Yeah, I think, I think building, it goes back to building relationships. Mm -hmm. So before you, before you really need something start by, and, and it goes back to your karma com comment, start by meeting people, start by getting involved in the area or the community you might be interested in. And I think that you're going to find that you'll have natural conversations and make connections that will benefit you when the time is right. And oftentimes that's hearing about a job before it's published or maybe meeting somebody who enjoys working alongside you for in a board seat or a volunteer position and, and pegs you for something. So I think it's just, it's really starting to get out there and having your elevator kind of pitch, knowing like who you are and, and building your brand. So the do's and don'ts, let's, because uh, a, a lot of, um, a lot of candidates will go and they'll research, right? So they'll research the job, they'll research the team, the company, they'll go into LinkedIn, they'll reach out to former employees and so they, they kind of, when they when they really like something, then they'll go and do a bunch of research. Um, and that's something that's that's basically they see it on Indeed or they see it on a career page, and then you know then they want to pursue that job. There's kind of a path. Um, the the things that most of the jobs that I know of, they're not they're not posted. They yeah. they 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 don't they never make it to Indeed. I mean there is there is some of that of course, but not a lot of it. Um, and so, what's your advice and 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 really the do's and don'ts of how one goes about kind of building that network, building those relationships? So I think, I think there's like a couple different, different routes. I think you can go back to saying, Hey, what's the general industry that this new role is in? Is it something I'm passionate about? We work with a lot of healthcare and health tech companies. So getting involved in like your local health tech or healthcare community and, and building a continuing to build relationships and experience in the overarching industry can be helpful. And then the other thing is reaching out to, if you can find out um, what recruiting firms or, or their talent acquisition um, groups that they work with, like having a good recruiter in your network is also super, super helpful because they usually have the ear of the hiring manager and they're always working with different companies and hearing about different roles. And oftentimes they're hearing about those unpublished roles. So you want to be on their radar. So, so, okay. So the recruiting managers and going in through kind of the organization and, and basically networking yourself with, do you suggest 
you know, large organizations, I bet, you know, there'd be many, but do you suggest kind of pinpointing someone that you have some type of affinity or some type of something in common with, or is it yeah. more of a, you know, go, go and spread your, you know, if you're trying to get into Facebook, try and get to know as many recruiters at Facebook as possible. I think it's finding out. Um, I, I think if you can, if you can always get a warm introduction, that's best. So seeing right. if you can go on LinkedIn and you can see who you might share connections with, and you could ask somebody to, to make that connection for you. I think also understanding um, what outside recruiting companies they work with, um, because a lot of times an outside recruiting company will have perhaps a direct link to the actual hiring manager. And we see a lot of times, especially with bigger companies, sometimes the company prefers to hire contract before they hire for a direct placement. So even if you connected with a bunch of their internal recruiters, they may not be working on their contract type roles that would allow you to really get in the company a little bit more quickly and easily. But the outside recruiting firms would definitely know about that and know who the different hiring managers are and kind of give you the inside scoop. That's a really untapped space. I really like that you brought that up because, you know, I can see the direct, right? So if you want to work with Gusto, okay, you, you know, there's a path there. You can look people up, et cetera. But I haven't heard of a lot of candidates networking with the, with staffing or, you know, RPO, et cetera. It, you know, the, that's just really, really, really smart to to reach out to those folks again as a candidate, but also just to get to know and connect with people, just to be on LinkedIn with them to understand kind of what your strengths are and be able to be in their network, uh, so that when they're looking to fill, then you know you're already part of their network. I haven't, I don't know as I don't know that candidates do that as much as as the direct side. Can I? I like, I know from Carex because we work on the, you know, with a lot of candidates, I, I love connecting with people, even if they're passive and they may not be looking for something today right. and just having them on my radar and, and really understanding what it is that makes them tick and what they're looking for. And then when that perfect opportunity comes along, they're top of mind for me to reach out and say, Hey, guess what? I heard X is hiring and I'm able to give them the, the, inside scoop and tell them a lot of details that they probably wouldn't get just from a posting that they see on Indeed or on LinkedIn. So what, when they reach out to you, this is now we'll get, now we'll get into some, some, some do's and don'ts here. When they reach out to you, what should they do in their reach out? Again, you don't know them from Adam. Um, What should they do and what shouldn't they do? Yeah, I think, I think if they can, the more proactive they can be, um, usually the better. Um, having a clear idea of, of what is important to them um, is always really helpful for us. So is it the role? Is it the compensation? Is it the location and the travel? Those are kind of some big buckets that can, can help us. And then um, really trying to just make the time to connect and help us understand their backgrounds so that we can, you know, we're not experts in their particular area often. So we really, if they can have a a breakdown of why they think they would be, um, they're good at what they do. It's, 
it's super beneficial. And then just building that rapport or finding, making the time to build that rapport with us. I think, you know, one of the untapped parts of that is the informational interview um, where, you know, you, you reach out to, you, you reach out to someone and say, listen, especially younger talent, you know, early stage uh, talent, it's, it's just such an easy way to reach out to someone and say, listen, I'd love to, I'd love to get to know you and I'd love to get to, to, to understand how you got to the place you're at. Like, like that is just a, such an untapped kind of way to get to know someone. And again, you can do that over Zoom. You can do that in person. You can do that over LinkedIn. You can do it over a lot, a lot of different ways. But the point is you reach out and then you, you basically say, well, I want to, I want, you're obviously successful. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know how you did that. And uh, again, kind of untapped. I, I think one of the things that I love you've you've given people information around again, direct. I think people get that, but really leveraging staffing, RPO, executives, and our, and recruiters in a way of saying, "Hey, listen, they, you know, this is a wonderful network that you should be a part of." Um, so uh, I love I love that. Um, Okay, so so we didn't get to some of the things that they shouldn't do, but obviously, yeah. let's let's do that because uh, I know I know that'll be important as well. I think some of the things that that I see candidates do that are that always like raise red flags are setting up time and then to to meet or have a conversation and then just not showing up to mm. to the meeting with the recruiter. Um, that's always that's always a red flag or being very transactional um just in the sense that they don't respond to your messages when you know you have questions you're asking them or you're sending them job information to see if they're interested and only responding if they need something in that um, in that immediate time and then the second thing is when you're having that conversation and you're if you are talking and trying to build the rapport, not bashing your current employer or mm -hmm. your past roles, sometimes people get carried away and they see it as event session. And that is always concerning when we look to place somebody into a new position. It's interesting because you're, you're starting on that journey to build trust, right? So this is it. If you, <laughs> here's how you don't build trust. You set an expectation and you don't fulfill on it. Um, so uh, I, think, I think that setting meetings and then setting any, again, calls, meetings, and then you know, being prepared, you know, yeah. and, and some of that can be your preparedness can be just a, a list of questions, things you want to get to know about the person uh, and, and things like that. And I think that people are open to that. They're, they're open to those conversations. You've just got to kind of get out of your own little box for those that are reluctant. So, you know, you, you deal with a lot of obviously your firm deals with a bunch of candidate flow. Uh, and you see kind of candidates all over the spectrum, those that are really, really aggressive and those that maybe aren't as aggressive in building their network. What's the advice for the folks that are reluctant or maybe not as good at just getting out there and doing it? Like, what's your, what, how do you, how do you, I'm not motivate, but how do you, how do you kind of get them over the hump? 
I think a buddy system is always good. And I know it's kind of weird where we're in the, the COVID pandemic right now. And so there's far less in person than there was, but having, having somebody that you can, that you can rely on to kind of be your, your right hand to help you get more comfortable um, so that you at least know one person uh, setting, setting an agenda. So like, and maybe, maybe agenda is not the right word, but setting a goal, like you said earlier, just talk to one person right. um, or pick, pick one thing to do that's proactive per month. So it doesn't have to be overwhelming and you don't have to jump in with two feet. You can kind of like dip your toes in the water and get comfortable. What's, what's funny is uh, what's great about this, this conversation in general is recruiters love referrals. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, you know, both internal and external. They love hearing from somebody that they know trust that says, Hey, Alice is fantastic. I've met with her a bunch of times. You love her. I think she has the skills that you're looking for. Recruiters love that. <laughs> Just yeah. makes, yes. makes everything so much easier. So they, they love that. Uh, so on the other side of this, for the audience that's listening, there's a there's a reason we're not just talking about oh network for networking sake or building your network for, you know for for you know that at one point you might want to you know to have conversations etc. The the other side of this that we have haven't really spent a lot of time on is recruiters value referrals over yeah. over sourced candidates. They always prioritize. Yeah. Uh, those so, so tell us, take us into that for you, you know, for your recruiters or just things that you've seen with how people treat referrals. Yeah, I always treat referrals like we, I mean, we treat everybody well and professional, but a referral usually we give them the VIP treatment. We're making sure that we are setting up time with them right away, that we're really understanding, um, and, and doing a thorough job speaking with those referrals. Because we know that when somebody vouches for somebody, they've got some skin in the game too. And if it's somebody who we've screened before and we think is, is a great candidate or an employer placement, um, we really value the people that they're sending our way. We, we know that they're saying, hey, I think this person's great and you should talk to them. So there's a higher likelihood that they're going to work out in a position if we place them, which is important to our business. So referrals are just, they're, they're amazing. And it's a great way to, you know, it's also a great way. A lot of um, consulting firms or staffing firms have referral um, bonus programs. So it's a good way to get a win-win. You know, we, we give a $500 bonus for any placement um, that we make from, from a referral. So um, just as a just as a thank you, and so it can be a win win on both sides. So you, we started with one of your success stories of of just kind of a, a happy accident that, that turned out really really well. Um, so I want to get your take on just things that you've seen, not just personally, but from other folks, even your organization or candidates that have come through you, your organization, etc. Where, what are some of the kind of the you know, feel good stories, if you will, or just some of the success stories of people that have kind of networked their way into a new role? Yeah, I've seen, oh, I've seen so many great things. And I guess this is like another personal one, but um, one of, 
one of our executives at, at Carex came, came through because we met um, vol- volunteering at our kids' kindergarten class. So I think networking, when people think of it, just to clarify, they a lot of times think it has to be like a business networking event, right? But networking happens across across the course of your life. It, it's volunteering, it's meeting new people. It's It can be in any facet. And this one happened to be, you know, a more personal one where they needed field trip chaperones. And so that person, I got to know them um, and stayed in touch with them. They ended up being in a similar industry. And then when they were looking to make a change, um, ended up contacting me and I already had a lot of respect for them. And so they've been able to come over and I think um, provide value to us and hopefully we've provided value to them. So I, I love the stories that don't just involve like, hey, I went to um, a business networking happy hour event and I did this, but it's more weaving our, your lives together. And right. building those authentic relationships. Yeah, which again, you start with, you know, the, the premise is you start with the good intentions and being authentic and you build trust. And over the course of time, you build camaraderie and then people feel comfortable. They feel comfortable recommending you into into things you, and you feel recommending them into things. It is. Yeah. I think that's another thing that, that we probably should hit on. It's, it's a two way street. So it, it'll always be, a, if it's, if it's done correctly, it's, it is always a two-way street. It is. And I think, I just think that when the, the main thing, when I like peel back the onion leaves of networking is it doesn't have to be specific to work. And it's really about building authentic relationships before you need something. Um, and it's as much as the give as it is the take. So you might be giving for a while and like you said, not putting the, you know, not receiving something right back, but eventually that karma bank fills up and, and it comes back to you. Drops Mike walks off stage. Well, that was wonderful. Thank you so much, Rachel. But I mean, first of all, just the way you've approached it, the way you've you know told stories around it, but also that, uh, you know, the, you know, that very, at the very end, it's just, you're explaining to people, it's like, listen, this is, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is at the last minute when you need something, then network, it's like, you need to, you need to build this network, build that trust and, and build all of that stuff well in advance of needing something. No one, no one likes that, you know, that, that guy or that gal that needs something at that moment and then wants to network with you. Like it's, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's not networking. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's actually asking for something at that point that you're, 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 you're beyond the point of networking. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for carving out time for us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a really great conversation. Awesome. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.